when I'm in a place, maybe I'm I'm on my bike and, and trying to get through the city and I'm getting upset about the cars and, and uh, the people are walking in my way and so on. Mm. And then I can say, hey, why we are here on the street? Because we want to go from A to B. And I say, okay, so you pass first, I can stop, it's not so important. Welcome to episode 55 of The Recovery Show. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Today we're going to talk about tradition one, which says our common welfare should come first. Personal progress for the greatest number depends upon unity. And we'll be exploring what those, uh, what those words mean and how we use them in our meetings and how we use them in our personal life. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of Tradition 1. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer and I will be your host today. Joining me by phone because of uh, our snowmageddon is uh, Maria. How are you today, Maria? I'm pretty good. Um, I'm a little bit under the weather myself, um, both literally with all the snow and, and also just a little bit. uh been sick a little bit here and there, but um, but overall pretty good. I'm excited to be still able to do the show, even if by phone. Yeah, well, and this yeah. is a good, um, you know, sort of a test of being able to bring in people by phone. Uh, or uh, some other electronic mechanism sure. when they can't be right in the studio with us. So, all right, and we're also going to hear from Ruth, uh, who is a, a frequent listener and commenter to the show. Um, I talked with Ruth earlier this week by Skype, uh, and uh, we'll be um, uh, interjecting pieces of that conversation as we proceed today. So, uh, we, we're glad to. Uh, have the opportunity to uh, have her participate in the show. And uh, the first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, Tradition One. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. And uh, Maria, you have a reading for us. Could you introduce that? Yeah, this is uh, from Courage to Change, uh, page 108, April 17th. Many of us have had anxious moments at work and around our families when it, com- when it came to making decisions affecting others as a group. We'd worry, will everyone be happy with this decision? Surely there was one per- perfect way to do things, and it was our responsibility to find it. Al-Anon has helped me to develop a simple policy about group decisions, as suggested by Al-Anon's first tradition. Our common welfare should come first. This tradition applies to the conduct of our Al-Anon groups, but I find it useful in other situations, too. If the group's plan seems, plans seem designed to be- benefit the greatest number of people, I can usually support them. I don't mean that I ignore my own needs and feelings. I express them. But others have needs, too, and I must respect them. Such choices may not bring immediate happiness to me or to others, but ultimately we will all benefit. As the first tradition says, Personal progress for the greatest number depends upon unity. Right. Thank you. And there's a couple of phrases in 
um, this tradition that I think bear a little bit of exploration. Um, the first of those is is common welfare, and uh, what do you? How do you understand that that phrase, that term, common welfare? Um, I guess when I when I think of common welfare, I think of uh, you know whatever our common purpose is as a group, like what what brings us together. So for Al-Anon, our primary purpose is to help family and friends of alcoholics, and all the things that help to achieve that goal kind of make up our common welfare. So all of those different parts, like welcoming the newcomers and allowing everyone to have a chance to share their experience, strength, and hope, all of those things are kind of part of our, our common welfare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. For me also, I think, I mean, I guess it's sort of the same thing, but the, the common Common welfare to me also means like the welfare of the individuals in the group, and and so the tradition, as it says in the in sort of in the in the second part, it says, um, you know, gr- uh, personal progress for the greatest number depends upon unity, and and I view that personal progress, uh, that recovery, as part of the common welfare that uh, we want everybody in the group to have an opportunity to find recovery and to grow. And uh, and how, what about unity? How does how do how do you interpret that in the context of this uh, tradition? So as far as unity, I think it's just being in agreement about excuse me about how we operate and just cooperation. Um, you know, we're all here because <coughs> excuse me, having a little coughing fit. Um, so when I think about unity, I think about being in agreement about the way that we operate and cooperating with each other. So we're all family and friends of alcoholics. That's why we're here. And so we need to stick together so that we can continue to have a place to go and get help. Um, So, um, and I I think it's important because if if we're all in agreement about the way that things work, we can just get on with the business of doing what we do, you know, whereas... If there's some disagreement, then we might have to take time out to sort out, well, are we going to do it this way or that way or what? And then that's all kind of time lost that we could have been spent helping the newcomer or, you know, each of us having more time to to share. So, Okay. Um, Let's say say hi to Ruth. And um, uh, first thing I asked her was, uh, Ruth, uh, do you have that handy to read to me in German? Ah, yes, one moment. Hello, listeners. Okay, so the first tradition in German. Erste Tradition. Unser gemeinsames Wohlergehen sollte an erster Stelle stehen. Persönlicher Fortschritt für möglichst viele hängt vom Einigsein ab. That was the first tradition in German. We had some questions that uh, I sent to you. I'm going to start with... Uh, how do you think that this tradition uh, supports uh, personal progress in the Al-Anon program? I think um, it helps uh, paying attention to other people, to the people who are joining you into the meeting in a healthy way. So you look onto your group, and uh, but being aware that if the group is healthy, it, it supports you the best and uh, gives you the best opportunity to grow yourself. Do you agree with, with what Ruth said there, that the healthy group uh, helps to support our, our own personal progress? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, first off, it's it's great to finally hear Ruth's voice. Um, we keep uh, interacting in, in assorted ways, but haven't actually heard her speak. So 
Um, but yeah, I totally agree that that once you know the the group is sort of where I come to get healthy. So if the group is healthy, then it can help me get healthier. So yeah, absolutely. I think we've had a great point with that. Yeah, I didn't really have a whole lot to to add to her. Um, so uh, Mark was in the. Uh, um, oh, Ruth is in the uh, chat room now. She says, "Who is that?" <laughs> Hi there. Um, and uh, uh, Mark, a little bit earlier, said, "Does fifty-one percent in favor reflect unity?" And and I think we're going to actually um, address that a little bit later, Mark. So uh, we'll uh, we'll hold off on that. And if you're out on the golf course, well, I guess you'll get to hear us later when when we post it. Um, and uh, he also said, "We each see ourselves as we really are, a small part of a great whole." Um, and I think that that probably is about the unity also. Um, Mm-hmm. And and in your group, um, how does your group uh, observe this tradition? Are there any special things that the group does, or is just in yeah? General? Sometimes when we are talking about administrating uh, stuff or so, or buying something, order books, or uh, agreeing how how to deal we deal with the service, uh, which is um, we we don't have anybody at the moment. Um, Everybody's hurt, you know. We encourage everybody to talk, and uh, um, then, yeah, we we listen and discuss, and it's a pleasant atmosphere. And um, then we have an agreement in the end. And I never had the feeling that somebody is leaving the room or just being quiet because he or she is upset. Uh, so that. Um matches a little bit um, my experience of, of what we call our group conscience here um, in English. And uh, although I have had an experience uh, where there were people who were upset with the consensus of the group, um, I think what she has to say a little bit later uh, is, is that we, the tradition um, really says that, that we give everybody a chance to be heard um, at, before the group makes a decision, and that's how we help to maintain unity in decisions. Um, and uh, how's been your experience about uh, decision making in the group? Um, well, I guess similar to what you said, Spencer. Um, just in in a group conscience setting, everyone has a chance to to share their opinion on the matter and. Um, it, it's it's really kind of a, a great thing to be able to see everyone can share what they think about it, and then and then we can take a vote and see see what what the majority thinks. And um, and it's okay if I guess it's it, it tends to work out either way. Like it's it's okay if not everyone's happy um, because everyone's had their say. Everyone's had a chance to to have their have their opinion and be listened to and be heard, and, and it, I think it overall really works out for the best. Yeah, it's, I know. It's cool to be able to. Sorry, it's it's cool to be able to see that decision making process in a way that is not argumentative. Um, that people just kind of go around and say, "Well, this is what I think." Oh, well, this is what I think, and then, well, let's take a vote, and that's it. And it doesn't <clears throat> doesn't tend to devolve into you know negativity, name calling, or you know somebody, uh, you know, trying to grasp for control or, or whatever. So it's, it's cool to see that. Yeah. And, and I remember, um, in one of my groups, there was, a 
a discussion that uh, that group has a has a group conscience meeting once a month, and so there was a discussion that went over two or three months about <laughs> the use of cell phones in a meeting. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and you know, and there were people who felt fairly strongly that everybody should have put their cell phone away. They should never touch it during the meeting. And there were people who, who, who felt the opposite that as long as, um, you know, the meeting was not being disrupted by somebody talking or the phone ringing that, you know, people might be using their phone to take notes. They might be. And, uh, and actually we had a, a story from, uh, our friend, um, and, um, wow. In one of the earlier episodes, uh, where she talked about coming back to meetings after some time away and where she was feeling very fragile and very much like she kind of didn't want to be there, but she knew she needed to be there. And the way that she was able to be in the meeting was to sit back in the corner behind all the chairs, sit on the floor and and be there, be listening. But also I think she was playing solitaire or something on her phone to keep her from just her mind from sort of exploding or something. And, and that was what she needed to do in order to be at the meeting. Um, the other thing that happened in this, in this uh, discussion at the group conscience was as soon as the, the question of phones came up, somebody else said, well, what about all the knitters? I mean, they really distract <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that opinion was expressed. Um, we talked about it a little bit, but it also, the fa- the fact that, that the person who brought it up felt, safe to to say that in the company of several of the people who were knitters uh, was I think really yeah. due to the way in which the traditions work in the meeting and it also helped to sort of highlight that there was a really slip there was a really slippery slope that that we were potentially starting down you know first you ban right. texting and then you ban knitting and and pretty soon everybody's you know sitting there with their hands in their laps and and it's not a meeting anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right. I remember kind of switching sides personally on that. Like in the beginning, I thought, you know, I didn't really understand what people were doing on their phones. And, I, you know, the only thought that came to my mind was, oh, they must be texting their friends about, you know, how whatever I'm saying is, is ridiculous or, you know, I don't know right, what. Right, um, exactly. You know, because it's all about me somehow. Um, but uh but so in my mind, I thought, oh, well, it seems seems kind of rude, so maybe we should ban that. And then, you know, as I heard the other sides of the story, it kind of came to light, like, well, if it's not actually harming me, you know, isn't that just um, <clears throat> me trying to uh, control other people when what they're doing isn't really any of my business? And that's, that's kind of what we're at these meetings to stop doing. So Right, right. Yeah, so that, and, and the other thing that I thought was, um, I think what really clinched the final uh, decision on it was was it the idea that um, you know does this help or hurt our common welfare and what are we here for? We're here to help family, you know, friends and family members of alcoholics. And if we start having a whole bunch of excessive rules that aren't really about that, we might turn people away who need help. And so right. we need to kind of focus on our main, our main goal, our primary purpose. What are we here for, right. and is this even necessary? And I think that was kind of, kind of maybe the deciding factor. I don't know. Yeah. We, um, we, in, in deciding, you know, to not worry about whether anyone's on their phones as long as it's not making noise, 
people can do what they want with their phones. Yeah, I, I think there's a, yeah, I think some people brought it up as an issue of courtesy, and, and I can see that also. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we do ask people to, to silence their phones. Um, and, and that, anyway, yeah, I don't think we need to, de- to, to, to decide the phone issue, um, again in the podcast here. Um, I know everybody has opinions and every meeting does things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did, um, we, you brought up this question of, of maybe you're not happy with a decision, but you can agree with it. And do you think that this tradition means that, that everybody needs to be happy with what decision you came to? Or does it mean, is it that everybody gets hurt? Is that the important thing? Mm. For me, I can say um, when I'm upset with other people's decisions, is this because I I feel not being recognized, not feel felt being heard. When I can express my opinion or my thoughts and somebody responds to it and, and saying, yeah, I hear what you say. But do you know this or do you know that? Or from my experience, it is like uh, this or that. Then I can say, yes, you're right. I didn't have uh, that experience and I'm happy you told me and I can agree with you. And so my experience is that, um, yeah, I was never unhappy with the decision we made. And I, I often change my mind because somebody said something um, I, I can consider. And, and I have to thank you for bringing that back to you and, and how you feel and how, um, how this tradition you know, speaks to you, because that is really, as you know, we often say here, that is what we can actually talk about is our own experience. So thank you for, for reminding me. Sort of, um, I think, emphasizing what we, uh, what we talked about a, little, a minute ago, that... Uh, you know, we give everybody a chance to be heard, but not everybody's necessarily going to agree with, with what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did have one experience, as I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in another meeting that does not have a regular group conscience. Mm-hmm. And that meeting called a group conscience because the um, money balance had, had grown significantly and, and it was time to decide what to do with it, you know, how to disperse it out in the normal way in which a, a group will disperse ex, extra funds is to send them to um, the, I think in our case, we send it to the area group, to the state group, and to the World Service Office. One of the members of the meeting proposed using some of that money to buy uh, AA big books to distribute at the jail, which, you know, is a good thing to do, I think. But it's not something that's in Elanon's purpose. And um, we had some discussion about that, and and I think it went, again, it went over a period of a couple of weeks, and, and I pointed out that this is in direct violation of the sixth tradition about um, involvement with outside enterprises, lest problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary spiritual aim. And the group decided not to do that. The person who had suggested it basically left the group um, over that. And I think, to me, that was a real example of, of what happens when when you start to sort of move away from the central traditions, move away from the central purpose. Um, we lost unity, and we ended up, uh, you know, fracturing basically um, 
some people off the group who, who didn't agree with that decision. Mm-hmm. Have you um, found that uh, in your group, if um, people are not uh, observing this tradition, maybe by uh, speaking too long or by trying to control something, have you found that that has affected the way in which the group can, can support you and help you in your program? Yeah. Uh, I have to say I, I had some experience with some people, which I think sometimes they, they are talking too long or uh, in one group um, there was a decision about somebody who had to, to lead the meeting, which uh, went uh, in a very good way, I I would say. And uh, I left this group after a while because mm-hmm. I wasn't hurt. And so... With my home group now, I'm feeling very good. And, um, uh, for example, I got elected as um, group representative. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I'm kind of an overachiever. I'm very determined <laughs> when I'm heading for things. My friends are sometimes uh, saying I'm like a terrier. I bite into things and then I don't let go until, you know, I made something and I know myself, and I know Al-Anon is not the place to to push things through. And but I'm very used from my professional life, so I told them and said thank you for uh, for honoring me with your election. And um, I know this is one of my character defects, maybe, which is appreciated in my job. But I do know it's not uh, it's not always appreciated in private life. And please help me if if you see that I'm failing. And sometimes when when I'm telling things, and uh, there are some ladies who tell me, yeah, you know, um, I've done the service too several years ago, and I did it like this, and it worked too, or in a nice way. Mm-hmm. And I'm I was never hurt, uh, hurt, and um, or offended how they are saying it, and um, I can learn a lot from it because it is one of my character defects also that uh, it's hard for me to to say something negative or corrective or give uh, proposals in a kind and loving way. And they are doing it and helping me a lot. And so I can grow into this job and uh, or as a service, uh, with support of my my group, and that's a good experience. And that that does sound like a really good example of of the other um, person using um, this tradition to to support you. Yeah, yeah. And I guess um, what I wanted to follow up here was thinking about um, in in our meetings when um, people um, maybe share too long or share inappropriately, and how how we can use this tradition um, to, uh, or, or how that affects the meeting and, and, or when, when, when people try to take control. And I think I heard some of that. Um, I don't know. You have thoughts there, Maria? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen it happen sometimes where people kind of stop following the rules or, or I mean, sometimes it's, there'll be a case where you have a newcomer and they don't know the rules. And so that's, um, Sometimes um, it'll it'll happen that someone will you know share 
share something and then someone else shares and then that first person starts sharing again and they don't maybe aren't aware that we tend to have a, you know, at least in certain meetings, you only share once in that meeting. Um, or they'll start asking questions when that's not really what we do during a meeting. And so um, I've seen people, people who have, have been coming to meetings a little bit longer step in and say, oh, well, you know, at this meeting, we, we only share once. And, you know, you can always feel free to ask more questions afterwards um, or, or that kind of thing. But sometimes, so, you know, sometimes it's, it's because it's a newcomer and they don't, they don't know what we do. And so we have to inform them. So it's not that they're really breaking traditions, but then sometimes there are cases where, um, like I've been at, at a meeting where it's a no crosstalk meeting, uh, meaning that we don't comment directly on what other people say or give advice. And I've been at a meeting where that's theoretically the rule. And, uh, this, this happened once where I was at a meeting and we had split up into a couple tables and so I was at a table with maybe eight people or so, and everyone was going around and sharing their experience, strength, and hope. And then I got to this one person, and and his share was basically, he started kind of going around the table and telling everyone what they should be doing about their problems and why they had those problems in the first place. And I was kind of horrified. I was like, oh my gosh, this is not, Eleanor, this is not what we do, and you know, I certainly didn't want to hear his criticisms on what I had just shared and had a feeling no one else did either, but I was kind of too, uh, you know, and it felt really kind of damaging to the meeting because the point of the meeting is to have a safe place where you can come in and share what's on your mind and not feel like you're going to be criticized. Exactly. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think at the, in the moment I was a little too shocked to really even know how to handle it. And uh, so I ended up asking my sponsor later and, and, and realizing, like, okay, if, I think if the same thing were to happen again, I think I would now be more prepared to, you know, in the moment, as this person is sharing this, to maybe interrupt and say, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but in, in this meeting we don't do crosstalk and we don't comment directly on what people, what other people have said. So, you know, if you'd like to share your own experience, strength, and hope, that's that's fine, but, you know, please refrain from commenting on, on what other people have shared. It was really kind of horrifying and damaging. <laughs> yeah, and and it and and as you say, it breaks the safety of the group. It breaks the unity mm-hmm. of the group when mm-hmm. when somebody does something like that in a, in a meeting where you're not expecting it, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I have been to some meetings where crosstalk is part of the. Um, it is allowed, and that's just how that group operates. But um, I think that style just wasn't for me, so I haven't haven't really gone back. Um, but yeah, so I've been to things where that meetings where that kind of thing has happened, or or sometimes someone will kind of go on and on, and um, you know maybe the content of what they're sharing, or maybe they're going on a little bit too long, or there are sometimes cases where, and you know I've been guilty of this from time to time too, but um, especially as I was when I was newer to the program, but I would you know, maybe come in and just share whatever was on my mind, which wouldn't necessarily be the topic of what we were trying to have a meeting about that day. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's it's more useful to the group as a whole to try to stay on topic. Um, yeah. And, and that brings up a really interesting, you know, sort of set of questions about meeting dynamics, which is when something like that is happening, mm-hmm. um, you know, since we don't have, like, a leader... Mm-hmm. Um, per se, in most meetings, 
um, you know, who steps in, how do they step in, um, when, when is it somebody's responsibility to do that, or, or, or do you wait and maybe talk to the person after the meeting? I don't know. I remember one time when, when uh, again, it was a case where somebody who was new to the meeting um, started sharing, started responding to other people's shares. And, and uh, you know, the first time that happened, I, I, I was like, oh, okay. And the second time it happened, I got annoyed. And the third time, and he was doing this, you know, like somebody would share and then he would comment. And, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, um, in this meeting, we only share once. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't think I saw him in that meeting again because he decided it wasn't for him. Uh, but, but, you know, you get, it, each meeting has a feel to it. And, and part of that feel is the way that we interact with each other in the meeting. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's part of the unity. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, then the, the, the question becomes, how do we, how do we maintain that? And my preference is, um, to try to model the behavior that mm-hmm. is appropriate for that meeting rather than stepping in and, and, you know, directly correcting people. But there have been a couple of times when I've spoken to somebody after the meeting and said, you know, um, in this meeting, we, whatever, you know, we, uh, we try to keep our sharing, you know, short enough so everybody has a chance to share. Um, we don't comment, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's been sort of when I've brought that up with my sponsor, that's what I've, what I've been told is that usually the best thing to do is to talk to somebody quietly after the meeting. If, um, you know, something they did you feel is, is violating the tradition or, or bothered me, you know, Hey, um, mm-hmm. you know, it really bothered me when you, uh, commented on, on that other person's share, because in this meeting, we don't do that, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, Another thing that um, that I talked to Ruth about uh, is that in the reading, again in the reading, it talks about you know taking control and that um, in order to you know preserve the common welfare, sometimes we have to let go of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I asked her about that. Um, so I, when you were talking about uh, grabbing onto things like a, a terrier, then it made me uh, want to ask. So. Um, does this tradition also remind you that there does come a time to let go? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I can I think I can rely on on the support of others. Sometimes, if I do not know an answer, or so I I can also lay back and and wait until I can step in again. Mm-hmm. I think so. And but. I think I I notice now while I'm talking about that I have a lot of trust into my meeting and the uh, the people and uh, from that meeting mm-hmm. uh, because yeah sometimes when I do not know uh, what to do or uh, yeah I I can stop I can stop talking I can be quiet and uh, wait for somebody else to step in. I was uh, reminded of of a example for myself recently where I realized that I had uh, taken a particular uh, job, a particular service position in one of my meetings for a very long time, which I was maintaining our telephone list for two or three years. And this time I realized that it was, it was time for me to let go of that, that I was sort of taking too much ownership. And it was like, my telephone list. Uh, <laughs> and, and so after, after, uh, 
the last time we I, I updated the phone list to include new people, and I said, mm -hmm. okay, uh, I've been doing this for a long time, and I really need to, to let go of this and have somebody else do it. And uh, I mean, this is sort of what happens in the dynamics of a meeting, too, is, is a person steps up and shares, and then we step back, which sort of leads on to the next topic, which is about sharing and listening in a meeting and how um, perhaps that uh, also helps to... Uh, to maintain the unity of the group and to support the common welfare and, and personal progress for individuals. You know, it's pretty clear to me how, you know, when I share, presumably, hopefully, I'm not going to presume, hopefully um, my higher power is leading me to say something that will be helpful to somebody else in the meeting. And, and also often my sharing helps me to sort of see actually see myself how maybe I have made progress in a particular area. Um, maybe if I'm relating a story about, you know, a difficulty I had and the way in which I dealt with it. And uh, I can then maybe even talk about, or at least see myself how um, that has changed from um, ways in which I would previously have dealt with a problem. And so, you know, it's it, when I'm sharing, it's easy for me to say how it helps the progress of, of myself and maybe of some other people. Um, and when I'm listening to other people, again, personal progress for me, um, I often hear something I need to hear. But what was interesting to me was in the reading in, uh, in the uh, chapter in Paths to Recovery is that it also points out that by listening attentively, maybe nodding, smiling, whatever, when other people are talking, we also support them in in their process, um, in their recovery. I wonder if you um, had any experience like that yourself. So, so yeah, I think as far as sharing and listening in a group, um, yeah, I think that can be a really important way of participating and, and doing, you know, taking part in the, the common welfare of the group. Um, for me, one of the big things that, that this tradition has kind of taught me is that I have a voice. Um, Mm, each mm -hmm. of us has a voice and mm -hmm. it's, you know, I mean, I think when I was growing up, I was, I was the youngest in my family. And, um, in some ways it, it seemed like no one really wanted to hear what I had to say. And so I just didn't bother much because, you know, what's the point? Um, and so it, it just seemed like talking and participating and, you know, having a say in how things were run was something for like the older kids to do or, you know, in different groups, like it'd be like, oh, well, that's something that the cool kids do or, or whatever, the, the more experienced people or whatever it was in the group. Um, and uh, being being an Ellen and being in this kind of a group where it really does matter, you know, what each person has to say, I've kind of, and, and it's taken some time, but it, it mm -hmm. really helped me kind of find my own voice and realize that whatever I have to say, it is it's just as important as anything anyone else might have to say. Um, and so I have a right to speak up and say what's on my mind. Um, but then on the other hand, it's also taught me that my voice is not more important than what anyone else has to say either. Like we're, we're all equal. So I get to speak up, but I don't get to drown anyone else out either. Um, so, so yeah, learning to share in meetings, um, sort of, sort of, uh, important for me. I think in the beginning, I really didn't share very much at all um, because I felt like 
no one really wanted to hear what I had to say or I didn't have anything very useful to say or I just wasn't comfortable. Um, and it kind of varied too. I go to a couple different meetings and one of the ones that I go to is, is very large. And so it's a lot harder to speak up in that meeting because, you know, there's more eyes on, on, on you. And, um, and also I would feel like there are all these other people and they probably have better things to say than I do. So I should, you know, be quiet and let them speak. Um, but, you know, over time, I kind of have been able to find my own voice and realize that, you know, sometimes I have something important to add to the conversation, too. And um, and if, I, if something occurs to me that seems relevant and no one else has mentioned it yet, you know, well, it's time to speak up. Um, yeah. Yeah. You so, know, yeah, I <laughs> it was sort of sort of the other way around for me. Um, I have not had a lot of trouble um, speaking up and and feeling like my voice needs to be heard in my life. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, one of the, the things that I learned in l and meetings was how to shut up, uh. <laughs> how to listen. Yeah. Uh, and it really, I won't say that, that I've totally learned it, but I've made, I feel like I've made progress in it and really has helped me to be able to listen in, in lots of aspects of my life. Uh, you know, listen in meetings at work, for example, instead of trying to dominate the meeting. And, uh, you know, this this actually bleeds over into a, a little bit later part of the discussion about using the tradition outside of meetings. But, you know, and, and it, it's interesting the way we each we each come as we are and and we sort of are learning. We're, we're coming into more commonality, I guess, is the way to look at it. You you're learning to find your voice. I'm learning to shut up my voice. Uh, sometimes I will, I, I have done this thing where I'll sit in a meeting and, and, you know, I want to open my mouth and I want to say the important things that I have to say. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, put air quotes around that important place. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so what I will do is I will say, no, I, I'm going to wait until five other people have spoken before I say anything. Uh, and that, and and I'm going to listen to what those people are saying. I'm not going to be sitting here thinking about what I'm going to say. That's one of the reasons I try to talk. I often talk early in a meeting is because then it gets me past that urge to think about, well, what am I going to say? Uh, because I've already said it. And in the meetings I go to, I can't, I can't speak up again. So when I've already said it, then all I can do is listen. And, and that, that's a different kind of a discipline. And maybe it looks like, wow, I'm jumping in right at the beginning. And what I'm really doing is, is working with my character defect uh, to uh, to sort of silence that inner voice so that I can listen to what everybody else is saying. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think Ruth had some thoughts here on on uh, sharing and listening also. So one of the things that the discussion of this tradition in uh, the book Paths to Recovery talks about is that when we share in a meeting and when we allow others to share in a meeting and, and we listen to what they have to say, that this helps to bring the group together. It helps with the, the unity that is spoken of in the tradition. And maybe could you reflect on how you have found this to be true or not? I found this very true. Because I think it is... Um when I am talking and um, all the others are listening, it is uh, 
It is like energy moving or a circle of energy. So if people uh, do not really listen, it is not the same with talking. And uh, so it is building up something greater than myself with uh, sharing. And um, But also for me, listening, if I'm, I know it is, something is changing when I'm really listening. And um, it is, uh, I do not know it, uh, if it's also like energy is floating to the people, I notice it also not only in a meeting, if you really listen. And um, sometimes also when I'm tired or distracted by, by other thoughts, it helps me coming back. Um, and then I often hear things in a different way or I get new thoughts. So for me, there's always a value really to listen. And also sometimes maybe when I don't like the person so much or think, oh, they are going to talk about that again. But when then I'm really listening, I may notice that there are very small things are changing and I can see uh, how a person is growing. Yes, I have, I have found that to be so true that um, exactly what you said, that, that when somebody speaks and I say, oh, they're saying exactly the same thing they said last week. And then, and, and, but if I do not tune out, if I actually listen, then I notice, no, actually they're not saying exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes, and, and sometimes it's really, for me, very obvious that, wow, um, there was just some some real growth there. There was some real change there, and I guess I I try to keep those experiences in my head when I get that feeling of oh yes I have heard this story before. I don't I maybe I don't need to hear this story because if I remember that it's not always the same story, and sometimes it's something I really need to hear. Um, but also. Um, and and I, I I don't know that I had noticed this in in the reading in the book before that it talked about um, you know nodding uh, in agreement mm -hmm. that it helps us it help, maybe helps the person who's speaking to know that they are not alone um, in in what they're they're saying and what they're feeling and what's happening and. I just remember my very first meeting and somehow knowing at the end of the meeting that that the people in that room understood the pain in my life and and I really don't know how and I think it it might have been that um very attentive uh listening and and agreement that that people show in meetings. I don't know do you do you have that experience sometimes? Yeah, and sometimes it is louder. You know, if you are telling something which you think, oh, it is so stupid and it's painful to to tell about it, and when other people are, are laughing, then you know, oh, yes, I experienced that too. Mm -hmm. It's a laugher in in uh, uh, in our rooms, right? And that's that's interesting. How do you feel about about the laughter in the rooms? How does that? Because sometimes. Somebody will say something, talk about a really painful experience, and 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 everybody will laugh, and we know that we're not laughing at them. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, I think uh, 
if a if a person is really new, everybody else would know, and and then they would would they uh, uh, would only nod or so. Yeah. But it is more the long time ones who are who are looking back and say, oh my god, and and then I did that, and everybody's saying yes. And, Yes. You know, it is. Uh, I don't think you you would laugh though, when uh, people are sharing the first time. No, no, more, that is true. More, you know, it is uh, like old bodies kicking each other and saying, "Yes, you know, we had been there yes. some time ago." That that's very true. You're right. And people are like uh, liking to, to uh, tell funny stories too. Sometimes um, tell it on a more entertaining way. I I sometimes do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, sometimes I really enjoy those shares, and sometimes I'm the one who's telling the story, and I will say, "Wow, how crazy was I?" And and then we all yeah, laugh. Yeah. Um, Maria, do you see um, laughter as one of the ways in which um, we find unity? Sometimes, sort of in a in a common um, agreement of our mutual uh, insanity, or something. Yeah, so I do I do find that the laughter really helps um, because the structure of the meetings that I go to anyway are sort of that one person shares and everyone else listens and and then another person shares and everyone else listens, but there isn't really a lot of back and forth talking, which I guess would be cross-talk, which is not allowed at meetings I go to. So, so the laughing and the, you know, nodding of heads is kind of the only real interaction that you get. Um, and I, I find that that can be really helpful because, you know, we don't have to talk about it, but it's sort of a way of everybody having it be clear that, like, oh, yeah, we've been there, too. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, been there, done that. That's why we're all laughing, because we've all done the same thing or had those same crazy urges or whatever it is. And so so I find it to be comforting in a way. Um that it's not just me talking out into space and then there's no response. Like there is a response, but it's just, it's a, not a verbal response. It's just sort of a, yeah, nodding or laughing or, or some sort of relating and like, yep, uh-huh, we've been there too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Ruth in the chat room here, um, she says, uh, yesterday I said something everybody laughed at. She, I said, giving is happier than taking, but there always has to be somebody taking too. I want to bring it around to using the tradition in sort of in the rest of our life. And uh, let's start out with, uh, with my little, uh, with my conversation with Ruth here. So we've talked about the tradition in the meeting and, and I know that the traditions were originally developed um, in, by, in Alcoholics Anonymous, the traditions were developed to help keep the groups healthy, to help keep the groups focused on their the primary aim of, in the case of Alcoholics Anonymous, finding sobriety and maintaining sobriety, and in the case of Al-Anon, um, finding our recovery and serenity. But I think we also find that we can use these traditions outside of our meetings. And I know you had some thoughts about how you, you use these traditions in your life and why you like the traditions so much. And maybe um, could you speak a little bit about that? Yes, of course. Uh, for me, I had 
always uh, felt strange about people and uh, always had the feelings that I, I don't understand how things are working. How should I deal with people so I feel safe or I don't upset people or things get out of control. And um, so I, I tended to, to study people very uh, shrewdly, mm -hmm. look at them, watch them, and try to learn from them, mimic them. But I didn't really feel comfortable uh, with it and still had the feeling that I do not understand what's going on and why people are behaving like that. And then I learned to uh, focus on myself. Yeah. And um, I think the steps are for myself and uh, the tradition is how to deal with other people. And I found yeah. this tradition is so universal. You can use it on, on every situation you're dealing with other people. And uh, the first tradition we say is um, uh, yeah, being, being together or being uh, on, a, on the same path grants uh, the most growth for, for everybody. It's uh, so true in so many situations. So when I'm in a place, maybe I'm I'm on my bike and, and trying to get through the city and I'm getting upset about the cars and, and uh, the people are walking in my way and so on. Hmm. And then I can say, hey, why we are here on the street? Because we want to go from A to B fast and safe. And um, we want to go to friends, we want to go to family, we want to go to work. And I say, okay. So you pass first, I can stop, it's not so important. So more people get safe to the places, the better it is. Or if I'm yeah. in the gym and, you know, with a ray where, where you put up your clothes and it's, um, uh, it's only a small place, you do not have much space. And, and sometimes people are getting, you know, so, so nervous and, oh, you got a huge bag and the towels are everywhere and, and then I say yeah we are all here to be healthy and, and so on and uh, so I say come on um, in German we have a saying Raum ist in der kleinsten Hütte there's room in the smallest house if you only want it and uh, so I can share some space and be friendly and say yeah that's the reason or especially which is my um biggest concern at the moment or most uh, the, the place with the most uh, trouble is, is workplace. Mm -hmm. And um, we have a matrix organization, so not um, many bosses tells us what to do or my boss don't come in every morning and say, you do this, that, and that, and this order. But I have to arrange with colleagues from other departments too. So, and um, they may have different interests because right. they are uh, have different uh, responsibilities. And I have no uh, power to order things in the team, but I can say, hey, we're here to achieve the same goal. And what's your problem? What's your problem? What's your concern? And remind them that, that we have this uh, same goal. And if we work together, uh, we will have the most benefit from all, for, for all. And it works. And I don't tell them, yeah, this is an Eleanor program, that's a 12 step. <laughs> but I'm just saying things like this. Hey, look at us. We are at the same place with the same goal. And then it works.
Um, yeah, it helps me so much. It's it's my lifesaver. Traditions are my lifesaver and, and day to day. So I love them so much. But uh, Maria, do you uh, find similar situations in your life where uh, um, you can apply the uh, the principle of this tradition? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, basically any group that I'm a part of, um, I can I can use this. It, and it helps me with that, like, um, you know, whether it's within my family or at work, um, basically anywhere where I'm part of a group because that group nourishes me in some way, you know, I, I need to find a balance between um, doing what's good for me and also making sure, uh, you know, looking out for what's what's in the best interest of the group as a whole. Um, and that helps me to... Um, you know, I think this, this tradition can sometimes get a little bit tricky because, you know, a lot of times we come into the program and we think we've been doing for other people for so long that, you know, it's it's time that we need to really focus on ourselves and taking care of ourselves. And then, but then there's this tradition that says, well, but you have to, you know, the, the welfare of the group comes first. Like, well, is it the group or is it us? And um, yeah. I think it's... I, I, I think it, I, I would come back to the, the expression common welfare. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah. the welfare of the group is, in a sense, also our welfare. Right, um, and, right. And I think, to me, the tradition speaks a lot about balance, mm-hmm. about finding yeah. balance, you know. And, and, and mm-hmm. as you remarked, you know, when you came in, just in terms of sharing your own thoughts, you know, you were sort of out of balance on the side of, well, my thoughts aren't really worth anything. I don't need to share them. I was out of balance on the side of, I have great things to say and you all should listen. <laughs> and and we're both coming more towards a, a, a central balance there. Um, right. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, I feel like it, it helps me find that balance. Like, I, it's not just about me. And it sort of helps me define where that balance is between taking care of myself. You know, and if I take that too far it can veer into just flat-out selfishness. And so this is sort of where that outer boundary is. Like, you want to take care of yourself, but not to the extent that it harms the groups that are supporting you. Um, Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, so like, for example, um, just with family, like this this week has been sort of an odd week, and and I've been sick, and my husband's been sick, and um, we've had different different days of both being homesick, but, you know, one of us would be a little bit better than the other, so we've kind of had taken turns, like, who's going to play nursemaid, who's going to bring who some tea, you know, like, if one of us is feeling better, we got to take care of the other one, because, you know, common welfare of everyone in the group is what's important. It's not just about, like, well, I'm feeling better, so I'm going to go do my thing, like, see ya, you know, it's we got to take care of the group. Yeah. Um, and, and that like trades off, you know, depending on who's needing what at the time, at any given time. Um, that is so true. Ruth and I had a little bit more conversation about um, using this uh, tradition in the workplace. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll play that now. When, when you were talking about having a common goal and, and how this really um, helps you in the workplace, I was thinking about, about my workplace and how sometimes we get, mm-hmm in disagreements about, well, we should do something this way or that way, or this is more important or that is more important. And I don't always remember. In fact, I think um, I, I need to remind myself to think about that, that we, 
we are working towards common goals. We are there for a shared reason and that we can use that to help us um, to resolve our, our differences and, and iron out our difficulties. And um, this has been, for me, a difficult year at work because mm-hmm. we are making really big changes in the way that we do things. Um, I'm a software developer, and, and we're um, redeveloping the software that, that backs up our, our website from the beginning, basically totally writing it all new. And there's a lot of talk about what is the right way to do it and what's the most important thing to do first. And do we really need to do all of the things that we used to do? Or are there some things that we don't need to do? And and these can get to be very um, strong discussions and, and disagreements. And and I like that, that um, this tradition reminds us to come back to what that we have a common goal and that yeah. that we really are all working for the same thing and, and we may just have different ideas about the best way to get there because um, I think that that can help me to, uh, to put aside uh, my frustration and annoyance sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I, I thank honest, you very much for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, on on workplace, people may have different goals, and they do not may care about it. They may have only their their own uh, career and focus or whatever. It's true. But it is hard to resist if you say it in a meeting, if you're saying it loud, standing up and saying, "Hey guys, we all have the same goal, haven't we?" And then nobody would stand up and say, oh, no, I give a shit about it, and I, I want to get the best out of here, and I want a promotion and leave you alone. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they, they can't do it. So yeah. even if you are, if you, are you know, it, even if, if it's not true, it is not like an Al-Anon meeting. People yes. are not coming there and doing, yeah, I want to do the best for the company, and I'm such a good person. But they can't resist if you are, you know, um, leading the meeting in, in this direction. Yeah. So. Right. Yes, yes. And, but also, I like it as a, as a guide to my own behavior. Yeah, me too. Re- regardless of whether I manage to convince other people or not. Um, that, uh, so that, you know, that reminder of common purpose for me, um, I, I, that's something I can take and, and apply really in all different parts of my life, you know, yeah. um, like, like Ruth said, you know, when I'm trying to drive somewhere and a whole bunch of other people are trying to drive and I'm like, you know, what are all these people doing on the road? Well, they're doing the same thing I'm doing. They're trying to get somewhere. <laughs> right. Uh, right. It reminds me of the humanity of the, the, the other people, I guess, to some extent. Yeah. And you have uh, further thoughts there, Maria? Um, yeah, well, when you guys were talking about workplace and, and how the tradition helps you at work, um, it made me think about how it helps me to accept decisions that might not benefit me personally, um, if I can see that they're for the good of the whole group. Um, like, for for example, recently our, our office just moved um, to a different location uh, in town, and it's it's farther away from me. 
but it's a lot closer for a lot of other people. And so, you know, I'm personally a little annoyed because I have to drive farther to work. Um, but overall, I can see that, you know, if you take into account everybody who has to drive there, there's less driving of less people. So, you know, overall, it makes sense for the group. I mean, not that it was a group decision. You know, workplaces operate differently, very differently than Al-Anon. I mean, in Al-Anon, everyone gets a vote, whereas, you know, in the workplace, whoever's in charge just decides things, and that's that pretty much. Um, yeah, but, depends but, to know, some extent. Helps. Depends to some yeah. extent on your workplace, but yeah, well, yeah there's a yeah. boss and the boss makes decisions in the end. Right. And and that's actually one of the things that I love about this tradition in Al-Anon is that it's so not like that. Um, like one of the things that I find really striking about meetings is that um, it doesn't really matter, you know, and pretty much anywhere, at like any other context, when you meet a new person, it seems like the first question anyone ever asks is, oh, so what do you do for a living? Um, and in Al-Anon, no one cares. Like, it really doesn't matter, right. um, you know, and I, I love that because it, it feels like sort of this way of setting up a social pecking order of like, oh, well, do you do something important? Oh, well, then your voice counts more. Like, your vote is more important than whoever else's vote. Whereas in Al-Anon, you know, I can see that, you know, really no one cares. A lot of time no one even knows what anyone else does for a living, and it's it's irrelevant. And, um, you know, I was struck recently by... Um, you know, finding out recently that somebody in one of the meetings that I've been going to for years um, is, is uh, somehow it came up that this person had like a, a really, a very prestigious job. And it was just like, wow, you know, if we'd met under any other context, that would be like the first thing I'd know about this person. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but, but no one cares. No one cares for now and not in what you do for a living. You know, we're all, we actually are equals there, you know, regardless. Of, of all of those circumstances. And it's really the only place I've ever seen that. I mean, I, I hear a lot of lip service about that, like, kind of thing in the outside world, but I, I really haven't seen it in, in practice, expecting out on me. And I just think that's really cool. So, yeah, and, and that has been my experience, too. It's really amazing. Um, it's sort of an anarchy, but with rules. If, yeah. <laughs> but they're not really yeah. rules because there's no... You know, yeah, there's no police that, to enforce them or whatever. Yeah, but the, the uh, obedience the, to the unenforceable. The obedience to the unenforceable, exactly, and it and it actually yeah. works. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a, a good a good conclusion there. And uh, um, I asked uh, Ruth for her her final thoughts. Do you have anything else you want to say about uh, tradition one? Oh, I I would like to talk about every tradition this year, please. Okay, well. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that by starting at the beginning of the year with our first podcast of 2014 on Tradition One, um, I feel like uh, I am setting an expectation. So I will do my best to uh, mm-hmm. meet that expectation. I yeah, will say that. It is. I don't know. Maybe other people uh, um, can discover those traditions for themselves too. And I think it is. Uh, so useful to to carry it out in in day-to-day life but it's up to everybody of course how to decide and yeah i want to thank you very much for past year all um hosts and co-hosts and guest hosts Mm -hmm. and i would wish to hear from them again how they are how was their last year or how will be next or maybe we hear some of them and 
Yes. I'm I'm excited, nervous, and happy being part of this. Oh, I th- I thank you so much because really you have um, over the last year you've contributed uh, very much um, by your uh, your comments and your emails, and so it's really great to to get your voice here today. Thank you. Thank you, Spencer. So I think we'll read the uh, today's reminder from um, the reading we had earlier. Sure. Yeah, I can go ahead and read that. Um... All right, so today's reminder, do I try to force my will on others in group situations, or am I learning to respect their rights as well as my own? I can feel secure in my opinions if I keep the group's best interests at heart. Unity presents not only the necessary climate for the growth of Al-Anon as a whole, but also the atmosphere in which each member within the group may acquire peace of mind. All right, and um, after a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. Maria, what's our song? Okay, so our song here is Al Green singing Let's Stay Together. And this song, um, I'm sure, probably did not really originate with uh, Tradition 1 for Al-Anon in mind, exactly. Uh, but, you know, we can take what we like and, and leave the rest. So, yeah, some of the lyrics were um, Let's Stay Together, Loving you whether times are good or bad, happy or sad. And, you know, so that just kind of speaks to me about unity and uh, staying together through whatever comes. section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. And this week has been, it's an odd week. You know, it's that week sort of uh, between Christmas and New Year's. Well, we had the New Year. The New Year was in the middle of the week. And my work schedule was that I had Wednesday off. Um, So I worked Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, And as I think I said, I might have said last week, I don't remember. There's a bunch of things that needed to get done. 
sort of at the end of the old year, beginning of the new year. And so it was actually a fairly busy, hectic week for me. Um, I did go to my Wednesday night meeting on New Year's Day. It was maybe about half the size it usually is. We actually um, brought the circle in smaller because there were fewer people. It was the first Wednesday of the month, and at that meeting, the tradition on the first Wednesday of the month is that somebody gives uh, what we call a first step talk, where they talk about, um, you know, what brought them to the program and what they found in the program, basically. And it was a, it was a good talk, and there was a lot of good sharing following the talk that was, I think, to some extent, well, definitely people were were inspired by the by the the talk to say something, and then other people were inspired by what the first people who shared had to say, and, and there was some really good, um, really good uh, discussion, some really good wisdom there. Uh, my Saturday morning meeting was, uh, it was again, the first Saturday of the month. The tradition in that meeting is there's one table that is working their way through our workbook um, blueprint for progress, one question at a time. Um, I sat on that table uh, once uh, a while back, a couple of years ago maybe, and and I think we maybe got through two questions out of that workbook um, around the table. So they're they're sort of spending years at it, I think, um, and it's not really like hey they were all we're working through the workbook in 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 lockstep. I think it's just to give people an opportunity to reflect on on what each of those questions means to them. However, I elected to sit at at not at that table, which actually had quite a few people at it, and and so um, it would have been very short sharing or or a long a long table. I sat at a table that was doing the step of the week, which was the third step. Um, and again, um, so we read from Paths to Recovery about the step. And the thing that struck me in there, and I don't have the book in front of me, so I'm going to have to paraphrase, but it was talking about letting go um, of the alcoholic in our life. And what we're really letting go of is, or what we're handing over to our higher power, is our need to control the alcoholic. And I know I've read that before, but I I saw it, I heard it this time, and I was like, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. It's like, you know, I, what does it mean to, to hand over a person to, to, to God? But because I can't really do anything there. It's sort of a, a non-action, um, but saying to God, okay, um, I I can't control this person, um, and I need your help to let go of that control. That's you know, that's something that I can, I can hand over that I, you know, to the care of my higher power. Um, so that was, that was a, a new insight for me. And that's, you know, one of the reasons I keep going to meetings is because I keep getting new insights. Um, how was, how was your, uh, your week? Uh, you were sick. Uh, kind of. <laughs> I, yeah, it was a very odd week. Um, very unusual week. Um, so let's see, we did, uh, we recorded the last podcast last Sunday afternoon. So that yeah. evening, um, I went to a meeting that that night, and I believe we had a newcomer, and so we did uh, step one and talked about talked about that. And um, I kind of talked about how every time we do step one, I kind of see something new in it. Um, and that particular night, I was kind of seeing the part in the reading about um, learning where I end and where another person begins, and so I was kind of thinking thinking more about that. Um, and then, uh, so let's see, I went to work 
I went to work Monday, um, but for some reason I wasn't able to sleep, and um, so I ended up I ended up just doing a half day and then taking like a half sick day on Monday. Uh, so I went home early, and then Tuesday and Wednesday I had off of work um, because of the holidays. So and uh, yeah, with the New Year's, um, so sometimes I think about New Year's resolutions and. So I don't know if this is exactly a resolution, but I had sort of thought, you know, one of the things I'm really not very good at that I, I'd like to work on this year is, is being better about accepting my limitations. Um, and, yeah, so I said that, and then immediately, uh, pretty much immediately, I, I got some new limitations to start working with. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that one out loud. You know, I've heard people say, you know, ask for patience when they get situations where they have to practice patience. Um, yeah, so in this situation, I, uh, yeah, so New Year's Eve, I, like, tripped and fell down a few stairs and kind of nearly, not quite, but sort of, uh, sprained my ankle. Mm. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, well, there's a limitation there. I probably shouldn't walk on it. I should just stay home, not try to do much. And then also I was kind of, um, had started feeling a little bit sick and a little back of the throat kind of thing. Uh, and yeah. New Year's Day, that kind of uh, turned into a more full-fledged thing. So I was like, okay, all right, it's New Year, and I've, I've got uh, some of my sprained ankle and I'm feeling sick. So I'm, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm just going to stay home, take it easy, rest, drink lots of fluids, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, so I, that's basically all I've been doing for the past, few days. I ended up um, not really feeling well enough to go into work on Thursday or Friday either. So I've, I've basically just been home. Like I've, I've actually left, I left the house once so far this year. So far this um, year. <laughs> and it's, today it's, it's the fifth today. So there's been a lot of sitting at home and uh, which has been very unusual, but it's kind of been a great lesson in self-care. Um, and, and I can't help thinking that, uh, I mean, you know, falling down the stairs was a fluke thing, but um, the getting sick, I think, probably had to do with just running around too much over, you know, trying to do too many things over the holidays and just getting myself worn out. And then now that I'm sick, I feel like, oh, I can sit around and read books and watch dumb movies on TV and just basically have downtime. Um, but when I'm not sick, I never feel like I have time for those things. Like, right. I gotta go, go, go. And, um, keep doing things like I think last last week on the show Nick said something about being a uh, being a human doing instead of a human being yes and I can really relate to that because I'm usually always doing 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 yeah. and uh, so it was a very different kind of week to realize like oh I could actually just not do things I could take it easy rest and uh, you know it's kind of nice in a way but kind of sad that I have to like I have to wait till my body gives out before I'll give my mind a rest you know, I couldn't help thinking, but mm-hmm. uh, that you know, maybe if I had taken some downtime when I felt well enough, I might not have gotten sick in the first place. That's um, certainly a possibility, I, isn't it? No, well, you know, you wouldn't be end up with the same amount of time than uh, sitting on a couch, you know, quote unquote, doing nothing. <laughs> um, but I could have enjoyed it if I, you know, yeah, right, landed out a little bit better. So, you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I've been thinking a lot about self-care and, you know, how to not put myself in this situation again. 
and that I need more downtime. I need more rest. And I, I asked a friend of mine who's, uh, she's had some health issues. And so she's really good about taking care of herself because she's just had to be over the years. And so I was thinking about like, oh, maybe I need like a certain number of hours of downtime per week. And I asked her what she thought about that. And she said, gee, you know, I don't know. Um, usually my body just tells me what I need. And I thought, <laughs> wow, actually listening to your body when it tells you what you need, like, what a concept, you know? <laughs> like, my body tries to tell me what I need, but I don't usually listen. I usually pay no attention because I'm like, I got to do X, Y, and Z right now. I don't have time to sit on the couch now. But, you know, you ignore that long enough and you get sick. That's, at least that's what happens to me. So yeah. I need to learn to unlearn that behavior and, and start taking better care of myself um, before things all sort of start to fall apart. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much been my week. Um, but it has been really kind of restful and, and nice in a way to have that mental break. So yeah, work on how to continue that in my normal life. Yeah. That's a good one for me to remember too. Yeah. Um, I think I've been slacking on the, uh, listening to my body, um, mm. with the, you know, I think partly with the stress at work and then, yeah. you know, damn it, I'm going to have some me time. Uh -huh. yeah. And, you know, maybe the me time that I need is sleep, not, uh, you know, watching another uh, rerun of something on Hulu. Who knows? Yeah. Um, or or maybe you actually need both and something else has to go or yeah. I don't know. So I'm sitting here and I'm looking out the window um, at the uh -huh. snowy backyard and the bird feeder. And I'm thinking of Ruth because she talked about, um, you know, using... Uh, seeing seeing nature and is that being part of her meditative experience and and seeing these birds all all these different kinds of birds all going at the the different bird seeds and and there was a woodpecker out there a little while ago which I haven't this first time I've seen him this winter mm -hmm. so, or her I'm not sure um, so it's it's a you know a little bit of downtime sort of mental downtime mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah. So next week, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I said, hey, let's talk about communication. Well, I think let's try that again next week, unless something more interesting comes up, of course. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, yeah, yeah. So we welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation. Do you have trouble communicating your needs and feelings to your loved ones? Do your attempts to ask for what you want always degenerate into an argument? How have you learned to communicate better in this program? please leave us a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or questions about communication. And Maria, how can people send us feedback? Well, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can call right now to 734-707-8795. Uh, you can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of Tradition 1 or next week's topic of communication. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Where you can do all this at the website, which is therecoveryshow.com, has all the information about the show, including that phone number, um, that email address. They're in the, the upper right corner for convenience. And we also have notes for each episode. We have... Uh, occasional meditations. I'm trying to, uh, this is part of my, my self-care of my spiritual program. I'm trying to get back into a routine of writing meditations. I'm managing about one a week right now um, because uh, 
because I don't have the time. Heard that one before, haven't we? But when I do, then, you know, it's a little bit of, uh, well, meditation, uh, which, hey, I need. So anyway, um, you know, New Year's, New Year's uh, uh, resolutions, um, I remember, God, it must have been close to 10 years ago. It was either a New Year's Eve or a New Year's Day meeting, and we were talking about resolutions. And I said, you know, I'm making one resolution this year, and that is to continue working this program of self-improvement. And that's the only resolution I make every year is to just keep on working the program because everything else that I might make a resolution from comes from that. Um, yeah, maybe I'll write a meditation about that. Who knows? Um, there, <laughs> yeah. there are many ways to contribute to the content of the podcast and the website. Uh, you can leave comments on the blog. You can suggest a topic. We have a, a topic list um, of topics we've done and topics we haven't done yet. We're always looking for music suggestions. Um, and uh, if you're inspired or ambitious, uh, we'd love to hear from you uh, a contribution of a guest meditation. It's uh, you know it's really pretty simple. Think about how you would share in a meeting, um, and then give us something, uh, a quote or something that might inspire that share, and we'll put it up as a meditation. So uh, just uh, hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and enter the conversation there. Now, if you really want to enter the conversation, if you really want to get your voice. In the podcast, um, you know, we're set up now to uh, take guest hosts by phone or by Skype or probably Google Hangout. Haven't tried that one, um, but I don't see there's a whole lot of difference there between that and Skype in terms of the mechanics. Uh, and uh, and you can be part, your voice could be part of the show like like we did with Ruth today. Um, you know, I pre-recorded the interview with Ruth partly for time um, uh, scheduling issues, Um because I wasn't sure exactly when we were going to be able to record the show. I was looking for another local guest host and a lot of people out of town this weekend. And then, you know, as it happened, uh, it's a good thing because uh, Maria had to be on the phone and I can only handle one person on the phone at a time. At least I think I can. So, uh, you know, if you're interested in, in really participating here, um, give, give us a shout out at uh, feedback at the recovery show.com and we can uh, arrange the details. We do have a little bit of listener feedback this week, but we're going to take another break with uh, What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. Um, this is the rendition, uh, the cover by Elvis Costello. It was written by uh, Nick Lowe, actually. And it's just sort of, I don't know, it, it's a song that's been been around in my head for years. And, uh, and the idea that peace, love, and understanding are something that's funny. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's unfortunately common in society today and in Al-Anon is a place where we really find peace, love, and understanding because of the traditions and following the tradition. As I walk through this wicked world Searching for light in the darkness of insanity I ask myself Is all hope lost? It's the only pain and hatred and misery And each time I feel like this inside There's one thing I want to know What's so funny about peace, love, and earth? 
So we had um, we had one email this week. I'm assuming people are like on vacation and stuff and uh, not being inspired to write. That's what I'm assuming. Um, but Julie wrote us, and uh, uh, Maria, maybe you could read uh, Julie's email. Sure. So Julie writes, um, I have been listening to your show faithfully since my loved one has been in a 30-day treatment facility. I am new to Al-Anon, to the Al-Anon world, but I'm already gaining peace and healthy tracks to run on as I seek to love my friend well without letting myself get caught up in her chaos. Her 30 days is over tomorrow, and I'm going to pick her up. I'm ever so grateful for the preparations your show has given me. I love you dearly for being that cold drink to my parched soul. Ready to start over tomorrow, trusting God for whatever direction he takes her as he writes the story of our lives. Sincerely, Julie. Yeah, wow. That's a testament to the program there. Um, trusting God for whatever direction he takes her. That, that in my experience, is, is really hard. So um, we'll be here. <laughs> um, we A uh, uh, little bit of podcast uh, news here. Um, as I mentioned last week, we're in the process of moving the website to a new server um, at the request of our um, service provider. Uh, but this will make it uh, the website more responsive, a little faster. It's I've been noticing it's a little sluggish lately, and and this should improve that. Um, you can listen live as we're recording. We have a couple, several people listening today. I welcome you. Um, just click the listen live link at the top of the page, and while you're listening, you can interact with us and other listeners in the chat room. To get to the chat room, you click on the little speech bubble at the bottom edge of the player. Um, and we're planning to record our next episode uh, next Sunday, January 12th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which uh, works out to something like 19 hours uh, Greenwich uh, if you're outside of uh, outside the Eastern Time Zone. You can do your, your calculation from that. So it doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses which run about $50 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly. You can also support us by purchasing books from Amazon. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us. We are here for you. We're going to close the show with uh, a song that I actually discovered while I was looking for songs for this uh, for this episode. It's called um, Paradise, parenthesis, What About Us? And the group name is Within Temptation. Um, it's a recently released song, and uh, one of the reasons it caught my eye was that one of the singers on the song, a guest singer, I guess, with the group, um, was the lead singer for the Finnish speed metal group Nightwish, uh, which... My daughter um, may still be a fan of. I know she was um, when she was in high school. And uh, this uh, this singer was, I believe, operatically trained and, and has got a really beautiful voice. According to the press release about the song, the central theme of this song and, and the accompanying music video, which we will link to from the website, go visit the website, is that only constructive cooperation can lead to creation. To establish a new paradise rising from the ashes of the old, we must work together. And that just really, you know, sounds like what our tradition one is saying, you know, that personal progress for the greatest number comes from unity. And when we work together, um, we get a, a new paradise. And uh, here's, here's some lyrics uh, because 
being a metal song, it probably is a little tough to follow the lyrics the first several times through. What about us? Isn't it enough? No, we're not in paradise. This is who we are. This is what we've got. No, it's not our paradise, but it's all we want. So uh, I think that also speaks to this illusion of perfection that that we learn to, to let go of when we come into the program. listening and please keep coming back whatever your problems there are those among us who have had them too if we did not talk about a problem we are facing today feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode the understanding love and peace growing you one day at a time Burning.